0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, ghoulish professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, double B, Bobby Blaze.
1: And that's right, I'm not Bobby Ricardo, the Night Stalker Blaze. I'm Double B, the Glock-carrying crazy SOB that'll shatter your brains everywhere if you try to carjack me. Woo, I'm telling you, Double B, baby. Double A set them on fire the other night in A&E. Talk about carrying a Glock. And blowing people's brains out, Professor. Oh, you know, I haven't caught that yet. I still need to
0: get caught up on stuff that happened this week.
1: Yes. Well, I just want to throw it out there right as we begin. I'm double B, baby Bobby Blaze. Glad to be back here at the good ghoulish Professor. It's October, and I know that Professor is one of his favorite months, and I know he loves Halloween, and I know we got a lot of good stuff planned for the rest of this month. Uh, but yeah, that uh, promo arm did, boy, he just called Cody out and, uh, uh, let me give you a spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. He's been yeah, out yeah, there yeah. for a couple of days. He was trending on uh, two or three nights there in a row, <clears throat> two, two for sure. Uh, of course, everyone's probably seen all the memes now, but if you haven't seen the video, it's about two minutes, 25 seconds, something like that. He's basically calling Cody out. Um, you know, Orange got that one kind of bad hand, the left hand that he had his damage done to, and mm-hmm. he's just kind of talked to him. You can see that's really. Prevalent during the the way, he's just putting his hand out, talking to Cody, not touching him, but his hands up near his face to explain himself. And basically, he just says to Cody, you know, I'm double A, you know, I'm Arn Anderson. And um, the, the difference between you and me, and he says, if uh, someone come up to, I'll paraphrase it, says something, if you come up to carjack you know, you'll open your door or they'll come in your car door and you'll go, you'll be the guy going, Oh, please don't hurt me. Take it, take the car, take whatever. Just don't hurt me. He goes, that's the difference between me and you, Cody. He goes, I'm Arn Anderson. And he slid his right hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Made the indication of a gun. He said, I'm man to take this Glock and reach over. And he put his hand right up by Cody's head. I'm surprised they even got by with it. And in, you know, emulated like this is a gun. And he said, and I'll sprat- splatter their brains or blow to your brains as the kingdom come or something like that, you know, and, and just gave the indication like, you know, boom. And then him and I, I can't recall the other guy. Uh, there was another guy in the ring with him. He said, come on, uh, drawing a blank on the thing. At least you'll listen to me. But he basically I'm not going to coach or teach or be around someone that's a loser, Cody. Nice. But yeah, he, yeah, called him out harsh. Um, it was a vintage Arn Anderson interview or promo. Excuse me, it was a promo. It wasn't an interview. It was a promo. He he just took over. it. Uh, got a lot of airplay. Uh, well, they played on air. Got a lot of playback and feedback, I should say. And like I said, the memes have just been a little crazy. Of people saying, you know, uh, saw one where, uh, that look and it had Arn, I guess him and his wife was at a stoplight somewhere, someone had captured a the picture, they memed it up That that awkward moment you pull beside Arn Anderson at a stop sign or something <laughs> like that. They uh they was putting out the stuff now. Um, you know, uh Chuck Norris is afraid of Arn Anderson now, you know, stuff I, like that. I, and, I and, saw yeah, was, a uh, bunch
0: of those, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's what it was about. But, yeah, do yourself a favor. Go back and watch it. Um, it's pretty intense, man. I, You know, um, as far as what he got away with, uh, uh, I didn't have a problem with it because I, I understand it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the wrestling fans do, whether you be AEW or um, – you know, WWE or just a casual wrestling fan, I think you know, probably all right with it, man. Guys just cutting a promo and being himself. So, pretty good stuff. So, that's why I said that. Yeah. Did and, you
0: know Arn Anderson never sees eye to eye with anybody because everybody else is afraid to look Arn Anderson in the eyes?
1: <laughs> there you go. That's the kind of things. Just change the name from uh, Chuck Norris to Arn Anderson. And, uh, you know, those kind of things. That's what it's all about. But, um, anyway. We've got a uh, good episode this week. We, um, we're we going to be talking about death, uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, man. That's right. Yeah. One of the
0: toughest sons of bitches anybody
1: ever laid eyes oh, on. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was one of the greatest athletes that uh, the University of Oklahoma ever produced, man. And um, I've heard several people say that, former coaches. Uh, there were several quotes in the course. Uh, one, one of the most quoted probably that that always put Dr. Death over. <clears throat> excuse me. I have to get a drink of water in a second here. Mm-hmm. Was, of course, uh, former – or excuse me um, – yeah, former Sooner himself, uh, Jim Ross Jr. Good old oh, Jr. Yeah. Always had something, and he's he was always he was in Doc's corner, man. Always in his corner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even if it so, was, even if it ended up being detrimental at one point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about it or not, but but we'll get to it if we do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I was all for that. Um, uh, I didn't like that whole angle, but I, when it went into it, um, I, I was thinking this is. Without knowing what we know now, like, man, Steve Williams is going to maw through all these people, and this is it, you know.
0: Oh, so, yeah. Well, uh, and that's, you know, we, anyway. we
1: can we can cover that when we get there. But this, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, that's just, but if it's your friend, like mm-hmm. Jr., you know, and that's your man, you know, that's who you go put your dime when back that's the him. man that brought yeah. you, you know. You so, him to uh, the
0: fucking end. That's how that works.
1: That's right, man. That's yeah. where it should be. Um, did you watch the dark side of the ring this week? By Not chance? yet.
0: I'm always about a week behind on those. Yeah.
1: Um, I, did, I usually am.
0: I did get caught up on Canyon, which was a little harder watch than I was. I was anticipating. I didn't know mm. about how the extent of, uh, the bipolar disorder that he had. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that was a little, little harder to watch. No, this one I'm looking forward to because it's about frontier, frontier martial arts.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Bobby,
0: as much as it, as much as I hate to admit it, I love me some garbage wrestling.
1: Oh well, you'll enjoy this week's. Um, there's. I, yeah, I, I, I just took it for what it's worth. I was, um, had Terry Funk on air, of course, and, mm-hmm. um, he had befriended Onita way back when, uh, when, when Onita was sent here, um, to, to, you know, learn Western style and also to, a lot of times the Japanese, whether it be all Japan or New Japan, they'll send guys to uh back in the territory days, especially they send them to a territory in the US or to Mexico or to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And I know Mexico's a country and Calgary's a city, but that was a territory, it's just known as, just saying. Yep. But um uh Onita went to uh Amarillo and, you know, Funk helped him get some jobs, funk helped him get his first car, and um, you know, so it's it's pretty cool to see the old funker on there. Um, doing his interview, I got to see um, Ricky Fuji, man. I hadn't seen or heard from him forever. He was uh, one of the guys over there. He worked for um, several of the companies, and I knew he worked for Frontier Martial Arts. He did kind of a rock and roll gimmick, man, the mm-hmm. a hell of a talented guy and was super over. In fact, one of the weeks when I was over there, uh, he teamed with Ricky Morton. They did like a rock and roll thing for FMW but another time he actually we did talent exchanges I never did go to FMW but they sent guys to us and uh, guys like taka Mitsunoku and Sean Funaki some of them younger guys Terry boy they went to FMW for the for the day or for the week what the exchange was anyway Ricky Fuji was on there and uh I yeah I say this man I was having a hard time uh, it was the last day of the tour it was over and um, Ricky Fuji, he could have went right back to his home, and I don't know if he lived in Tokyo or where he lived at, but we were in Tokyo, and he spent about seven or eight hours, pretty much an all day with me, helping me get cabs, trains out to Narita Airport. Uh, someone had mixed up the travel arrangements, and he took it upon himself, and I don't know if Sasuke, the office told him, you know, make sure Bobby gets there, but, um, you know, his tour is over. He could have easily finished up, and he, he, he looked after me. From cars, tag uh, taxis to uh, uh, we ate lunch together. Made made sure I got to Narita, but uh, and I appreciated that considering what I did to him. <laughs> 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 um, we were this we were this uh, and. and uh, Complete work, just so you know. But, no, I do appreciate that. But in the ring, I was with another guy from FMW, young boy named Ishi Bon Kid, you know, number one kid. Yeah. Small, young guy breaking. in. so it's me and him against uh, the great Sasuke and Ricky Fuji. And, man, I'll never forget that building was so fucking hot. It's one of the probably hottest building I've ever been in my life anywhere in the world. And um, what I think I told you, that it's one of the days that Sasuke – I don't know if they sent for it or the guy was just doing out doing his vending, but they had a, um, <clears throat> snow cone truck come and Sasuke bought everyone. I had like three, three snow cones. You know, we sit in the building and the guy would just go out there and they just bring in snow cone one after the other, you know, awesome. not fattening and all that, but it's cooling us down, you know? And, uh, anyway, but in the match, um, uh, Ricky Fuji come in, he, he had this, you know, the, the, Nice leather jacket on and uh, cowboy hat type thing. He's all rock and roll. And I looked at him and I said, Elvis is dead and so is rock and roll. And he started smiling at me as he was taking his hat off. So he understood English very well. So um, anyway, I just I was trying to break him up, you know. Yeah, yeah. it was just a hot, miserable fucking day. What a boss I did. I shot him in. And I I kicked him in the stomach and he bent over and I hit the rope right, right where Sasuke was at in his corner. I hit the rope there and I just put a big boot right in the side of, and I had my big Cindy llama, uh, cowboy boots on like the Funker wore and I kicked Ricky Fuji right in the head man boom and I got him good you know but but the funniest thing was about it that made me laugh I spun around and I just got a big laugh I mean I, I smiled and I just made a big gesture of laughter as soon as I hit the rope and I kicked him <laughs> Sasuke in perfect English. He's standing over he's holding the tag rope, right? And, and I, can, I can't do a Japanese voice very good, but this voice, I've never messed it up when I've told this story, and that is this. Sasuke goes... God damn, Bobby, you stiff. <laughs> Soon I get to be God damn, Bobby, you stiff. <laughs> and Ricky Fuji, of course, sold the fuck out of it. But when he said that, I spun back around instead of pinning Ricky. I turned to Sasuke. <laughs> I just started laughing. Like, I am Now not? I said, you want some too? Come on. Like that. And he just stood there. And even though he had his mask on, I could see in his eyes that, you know, it was just one of those hot, miserable times, but you're going to fucking make the best of it and have a good match with them. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there on the dark side. I think you'll like it. Yes, you know, um, wire and blood, but I, I did get to see some people in there. Uh, Hibashi, uh, Hayabasha, rather, uh, got to meet him. He was on that tour. And, um, I didn't have a lot of dealing with him. He worked main events and semi mains. And then, uh, of course, Mike awesome showed a couple, you know, little clips of him on air. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, and I, and, uh, Mick Foley's on air and Onita. And I think you'll like this episode. I I felt like it was, there's some tragedy. Um, they'll, you know, obviously, you know, what happened to Hayabushi, Mm -hmm. um, you know, becoming paralyzed. Another person, uh, took their own life or possibly whatever. I mean, you know, it's just other than that. I mean, it's just uh, I, I enjoyed this week's episode uh, just because, I, you know, knew more than amount of people from Japan sure. on the program, and I, and I liked it. Um, and I wasn't deeply saddened. I mean, it's hard to watch someone obviously be paralyzed with that. Uh that. Sabu was on there, who I know, you know, but it's to me, it's like I got a little bit enlightened about, you know, some inside dealings. That you don't always hear about, you know, um, when things go on with with companies like that. And I know All Japan and New Japan were t- the two biggest. And I knew when I were there, they were talking about FMW was um, them or Michinoku at any given time was either third or fourth biggest companies, you know, in, yeah. in, in the co- in country. There, um, there was a lot. I think at one time, hell, there were like twenty seven offices or something working out of Tokyo. But uh, I, I think the the FMW and, and Michinoku had risen. They both went up and down, you know, depending on on the popularity of the uh, the gates they were pulling. Whether it's doing a stadium show or whether it's doing a high school, whatever. I won't say a high school gym It's more like uh, uh those were more like recreational centers in the in the center of villages or towns yeah that have really nice gyms you know so i just wanted to throw it out there and take your time and enjoy that when you get a chance i'm normally about a week behind as well but um, i did catch that one uh this week just just because of my schedule so anyway i just wanted to throw it out there and have a good time with it oh you know? absolutely so, no it's,
0: it's one i'm definitely looking forward to
1: yeah so I figured you would, being a Mike Awesome fan. Yeah.
0: It's uh, definitely one I'm looking forward to. And, you know, the thing is, like, I do like violent wrestling. Like, I hate seeing anybody really get hurt for the most part. There is yeah. some kind of a blood thrill when you, when you see somebody really take a nasty shot or, a, you know fucking staple gun to the head, where you're just like, oh, goddamn. But ah, you know, geez, when you, gotta, you start seeing like, you know, somebody got paralyzed or had an arm broken or fucking new Jack tried to kill him, you know, shit. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I remember the most garbage match I ever saw was a guy like came pushing a shopping cart up to the ring. And in that shopping cart was new Jack pushing another shopping cart full of shit.
1: <laughs> Good God. <laughs> i talking about overkill. Oh yeah. FTC. Um, had a show, a student show, uh, over the weekend. All the students, man, did really, really good. Uh, we had a little different venue. We were at Nelks Lodge. We packed it out, which wasn't a lot, but you know, hundred and some people there that, you know, wrestling family, basically, you know, family and friends of the, of these young students, um, turned out real good, man. I'm going to send a shout out to, uh, Brox Boulder, he is the uh, inaugural Art of Grappling champion. Uh, total surprise to me as well. Um, everyone had kind of, you know, um, the way it should be, kept everything hush-hush. They had a new belt for whoever's going to be the champion. And what they did, they did a, um, a battle royal. They did it very classy, and the last student's sang think- Landing, um, you know, become the first uh, Art of Grappling School of um, champion. Uh, Jock Sampson was in it, and uh, he was uh, none too happy mm-hmm. as he came out. He beat the piss out of someone um, earlier uh, in the show, and he was mad that he had to wrestle a student and wasn't get an FTC title shot because the FTC titles um, kind of – no one has it right now. They're supposed to do an eight-man tournament for it, but Jock come out and grabbed it, and he, self, he is now a self-proclaimed FTC champion. As you mentioned or uh, made mention of last week, Jock was going around collecting belts. Mm-hmm. Well, he said that belt's his again, and uh, we're going to see what's happening because he's going to be on our program in the next week or two and clear some things up between him and Casey King, him and FTC. And I do want to say, Professor... I don't know if he's ever going to clear anything up, you or not, because he didn't have too much kind word to say about you last night when I spoke to him. I, yeah. We are on professional terms, and I just told him, I said, you know, you come on a program, you'd say what you'd want and do what you want, man. It's, you know, we're we're, we're glad to have you on here. But, um, you know, I know you and Professor got a little thing going on and that's between you all. Uh So just want to give you a heads up on that. Yeah. I have a hard time. <laughs> Anything have, you want to say before he comes on a show? I, I, I have a hard
0: time. You remember that thing I said about wrestling in street clothes?
1: Yeah. Like anybody yeah. who does
0: that should be in prison. Imagine how I feel about guys wrestling in clown shoes. That's that's all I have to say <laughs> well, about that.
1: He, he had some good boots on last night. I think he had a, a camo uh, type um, hunting attire type um, singlet on. And had a cowboy hat on, and he's ready to go. He 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 had a good match last night. He put a young boy through his paces, and um, uh, I call him Braden or Brendan. His name's Caleb Thorne, and he's a you know he's an up and comer, and I I always put his name out there, but he's always kind of reminded me of the Brendan Swab the way he looks, the 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 UFC fighter and comedian. So when I tell him I call him Brendan, it's because I, I put him over a little bit. Oh yeah. But uh yeah, he took it like a man. I'll say this: Jock Samson beat him, and and he took it like a man. But he's just an up and comer, you know. So that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, well. Um, I'm gonna mention one more man. We had our first graduate the way this angle ran. Uh, Sleazy E, okay? This kid, man, I call him a kid. Jeremy's about 30 years old. That's a kid. He's got CP, man, and he's in a wheelchair. And this guy's so inspirational, and he don't call it a wheelchair. He calls it a kill chair, and he does what's called a kill shot, and he'll run over people when he gets the chance. Well, if they're outside the ring, he's been managing uh, Jason Kincaid. Last night, he managed uh, Hunter uh, Hefner. Um, he's managed several people uh, throughout this tri-state area. Texas, what state of mind. No, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, and West Virginia. He's been to those four states. I think he went to care Carolina a few weeks back as well. Um, but this guy, man, he, um, I asked permission. I see, you know, you know, Eke, you care if I mention your story on here, uh, like I said, he's in a wheelchair or a kill chair and uh, he come out and nailed his promo last night. He had his cap and gown on like a graduate, had a Kendo stick and, um, he hit all his lines and, and, and did really good, man. Um, you know, so, uh, he goes to the gym and I'll send me a picture of him working out and, uh, I tell the other students, I said, I I said he's an inspiration. If this guy here, he has to make arrangements, Jeremy, Mm -hmm. for um, someone to drive his van to take him to the gym. He travels over an hour just to get to the training two days a week, and he doesn't miss unless he's booked somewhere. Um, And he has to make arrangements for someone, you know, to drive him. And and I said, look, you you people say you want to make it professional wrestling. This guy doesn't miss. And he has to make arrangements to get here and get home and all that. And he goes to the gym three to four days a week and does what he can do what he's physically capable of doing with what he has i said by god if anyone has an excuse to not go to a gym it's him but he's there so don't any of you all including myself don't make an excuse to not go to the gym use easy e over there although last night i say change his name to sleazy e and he is kind of sleazy uh he'll grab your balls if he gets in a ring uh he's got that one good arm you try to go around him he yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I've seen him um, grab a few nuts, you know what I'm saying? Don't but uh, he does what he has to do. But a congratulations to them, and congratulations to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jillian Hall and, and uh, Joe Pace, and and um, they, they put on a really good show. And, yeah, I have something to do it, too, but I don't need my pats on the back. I'm, I've got my voice right here to let them know how good they've done. And um, also um, – or uh, Earl with time warp, you know, he was one of the sponsors of the show and, uh, we appreciate that. And, um, anyway, I just want to get all that stuff out of there. I don't know what else to, uh, to put up or I just want to make sure that, um, Got the students over. Yeah. We had a nice little show. And that's, you know, ASW, from my understanding, they had a big show in Madison on um, uh, Friday evening and they went back to Beckley uh, Saturday evening, but it was just a street fair type thing. I think it was a chili fest. So uh, they took the regular crew. They didn't bring in, I, I think they, they brought in, uh, uh, you'll like this. That uh, was a Chelsea green. Oh, uh, I do like, she that. came in and a couple other people, but as, uh, on Friday night, uh, dig this, uh, Luke Gallows was there oh, wow. and my man, Casey Kane, Casey Kane, Casey King. Casey King hung out with him for a little bit, him and, uh, Anderson. And, um, uh, Casey told me, you know, uh, Luke said, to tell me hi, you know, Luke Gallows. And I met him when he was a young boy, 18 years old, getting into the business. And, um, I treated him like a man. And, um, uh, was happy for his success when he made it, and we ran into each other a couple of times since then, and and it's always very mutual, very respectful. And and Casey made that clear um, that you know he relayed the message and sent a sent a picture to me. So yeah, they they had two big shows up there over the weekend, and um, there was another show about an hour from here. Uh, that'd be West. So there there shows going on around here, man. You know. Um, so anyway, just want to get that out there. I well, know we got a big show to get to, but yeah, just throw no, that no, it's, out there. That's
0: cool. I mean, it, I'm glad to hear that you're you're more, you are active and going to these things more often. That's good to hear. Yeah. And that they're, you know, that they're able to draw a crowd into something. I mean, because look, I mean, it wasn't that long ago an indie show or a school wouldn't draw more than 100 people. I mean, they'd draw 40 yeah. maybe.
1: Um, well, so that's good. I went out afterwards uh, for about an hour with a mutual friend. Um, he works for EC. ECC. ECC is a local wrestling company that runs here in Ashland. Um, and he's worked for FTC. He works for Ohio Valley regular on a, on a regular basis, rather Ohio Valley. Hey, cow dog, chill the fuck out down here. <laughs> Welcome aboard, cow dog. Um yeah. Anyway, uh, this guy he he works for OVW some uh, in with foul and that group does some refereeing. But him and I were speaking very briefly last night, several times as you do throughout the evening because you're busy. But uh, man, just we was talking just in the last couple of years, some of the stuff that we've been witnessing in our tri-state area in Ashland and and Huntington and Ironton how we're we have been kind of a part of this. Ignite a COVID deal. Just saying, we had put some things in motion a couple years ago. So many, you know, people. That, you know, you help along the way, and they, the FTC has grown. Uh, a couple of their students had went out and, and started their own um, ECC. Uh, it's East Coast Championship, I think. Uh, uh, again, it's just one of those things that I'm uh, – and they've worked with ASW, like I said. They're, we're just seeing it. And I said, you know, I, I said my, myself and Jeremy on a podcast, I said we talked when we first started – we had WWE and that was it. And we started talking about a, you know, AEW a little bit. That was just, uh, going to be a t-shirt company apparently. And now there's like everyone working, you know, I mean, and him and I was talking about how he was trying, I won't say he was taking credit for it, nor was I, he was saying, we are a part of that. We've gotten some of these guys together because of Joe, um, uh, and, and Earl, you know, putting together events in this area, uh, Gary up in West Virginia, you know, they're, I think it's really good for the wrestling community, man. Again, this is just in a couple of hour, couple mile, two hundred mile radius or so, you know. So uh, I'm hoping that's going on all around the country. And from what I see on Twitter, it does. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of you know other uh, indie shows out there. So yeah. I support indie wrestling because um, you know not everyone, but there's a vast majority of those people uh, when they get the opportunity, and when when opportunity knocks and talent opens a door there you go that's all you need it's just that opportunity if you got the talent you can get in there and make some money get get known and doing something you love doing and that's pro wrestling
0: yeah you know and it makes me wonder because like back in the day you know you'd have to find like a local independent TV station to get your promotion any traction and local independent TV stations don't really exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but now you got Twitch and YouTube and Vimeo yes. and all these other options and you can sell video on demand or I don't know how hard it is, but you could probably put together a deal with Fight and you know do like monthly pay-per-views or something mm-hmm. something like that. Um it's it's, just, it's an exciting time, you know. I mean it's a lot. Yeah, I think so, man. A lot of pioneering is is needed is what's going on, but it's it's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like when we started, like you're saying. You know, there was the WWE. I joked about being a three-time NWA champion because who the fuck out there could even have told you who the NWA champion was then? Yeah. You know? But you
1: got that one title right the uh, uh, the American a, 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 yeah American title the American title from
0: AWA. I'm still champion. Okay. I um I defended it in a uh, match in Nova Scotia recently. Okay. Um, a totally real match, not something that was made
1: up. And I'm good for another 60 days. There you go, man. I love it. I love it, man. Um, Well, let's do this real quick if you don't care. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned a couple times. Let's drop our Time Warp spot in if you don't care because, uh, Earl, um, just want to give you a shout-out, tell you you're doing good things, and we appreciate you being uh, this month's sponsor uh, if you'd like to sponsor our show, please get a hold of Professor at the Geekish Cast, or get a hold of myself at bobbyblaze Blaze seven forty four, or hit up the joint account, and you can get that on Twitter or Facebook at Bell to Bell Blaze. Let us know if your biz would like to be a sponsor of our fine program, um, and we'll we'll cut you a promo man, uh, just like I'm about ready to do right now, Professor. Hey, video gamers, sports fans, and nostalgia enthusiasts, this is Bobby Blaze. Are you ready for a Time Warp? Time Warp is a brick and mortar hobby shop with a high selection of everything sports, gaming, and collectibles right in downtown Ashland in two locations at the Ashland Town Center. They've got vintage toys, sport cards, and collectibles, tons of wrestling merch. It's the largest selection of memorabilia in the tri-state. Time Warp also has an extensive inventory of vintage and current video games and consoles. It's a 100% must visit for retro gamers. Time Warp buys your collectibles daily and are open seven days a week, 365 days a year. They're only closed on Christmas and Thanksgiving. Check out their Facebook page at Time Warp Ashland.
0: Do the Time Warp again and uh, get on out there too. Is it Lower Ashland or just
1: regular Ashland, Bobby? You know what? The Time Warp is, yeah. Yeah. He's got one location in L.A., Lower Ashland, and he's got a, another one. That's a brick and mortar, and that's the original one. But he's got two locations in the Ashland Town Center. Um, one's a kiosk, and one's a, you know, a, a, just a storefront. And, man, he's got everything in there. When you come to Ashland, you're going to have to go down there, and you'll spend half a day down there, I guarantee it. And bring your paycheck, because he's got a lot of stuff you'll probably want, uh, knowing it's your collectible things, you know. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Good stuff, man. Um, anyway, uh, the time warp. You said let's do the time warp again. Sometime later this month, I'm going to watch it. I'll have to watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, man. I do. That's one of October things for me. Oh, that's, you a, know. that's a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. I see. I'm waiting for the new
0: Halloween movie to come out on the fifteenth. Okay. And uh, okay. You know, that's uh, that's I. You know, Halloween for the original, for uh, one of those movies that didn't have much bloodshed scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And I yeah. would watch Friday the 13th and not flinch.
1: And then Halloween, I'd be afraid to look at the TV sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. just that suspense, man. Atmosphere, sometimes it's yeah. that, that's that dip, difference of that slasher and gore versus the intensity and psycho the psychology behind it. No, here he is. Or, Oh, is he really there? Oh, that stream, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, you know what? Hey, all Bobby. Right. So we're, we're
0: talking about Dr. Death this week, yeah. but because it's October, let's do this real quick. Okay. You're a screenwriter. You have to come up with a new horror villain and all you have to work with is he's named Dr. Death. What do you, what do you do?
1: Okay. I come up, with Dr. Frank Booth Kevorkian. Dying is not a crime. And um, so I think if you've ever seen Blue Velvet, there's Frank Booth played by Dennis Hopper who walks around sucking on that oxygen that's connected to nothing. He's got the oxygen mask yeah. and he sucks on that blue velvet, you know? So he is the well-dressed man. If you haven't seen the movie, I just gave it away. But, um, if you haven't seen this only because it come out like 1986, you bastards, you should have seen it by now. So I'm looking at Frank Booth. Then I'm putting, uh, Kevorkian in there. Okay. I'm putting Jack Kevorkian as the last name and I'm going to have him going around, uh, as big as, scary as, Dr. Death Steve Williams, okay? Okay, okay. But he attacks you with that Oklahoma stampede. He oh. just he just hits you. You know, you see these kids with a gun or a knife or a stick. Man, he just... Sticks you with his full body like a football tackle, like he'd do at three point stance. Mm-hmm. He's just a big, strong, you know, cock strong like he was. Boom, he hits you with that. Okay, then he'd pull out the the gimmick, the oxygen mask. But of course, instead of the oxygen mask, he's got like a towel with ether in it. You know, boom. Okay. So okay. we're tying in the wrestling part. Boom. So he's a heel, and he he knocks you out. And the Cavorkian part is is when he got you on that death machine. And he's, you know, his um, when he's depending on when the climax of the, you know, when he's killing these people, and he has this little whisper in your ear, and you're like, what, 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 what would he say? What would he say? And you don't really understand what he said. And then either when he's talking to a detective, or whenever he's on trial, or in the, in, the, in the mental institute, and he's talking, and his word is, dying is not a crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: that's mine. There you go. Okay, so mine is Dr. Death Steve Williams, former college football player, blew his knee out so he becomes a surgeon instead. Okay. But he's so angry over having his knee damaged that as he's going through his surgery and you know doing things, if he finds out one of his patients doesn't have a lot of family or anybody who misses him, he kidnaps him and then performs horrifying uh, uh, you know, experimental surgeries on him.
1: And yeah. then, you know,
0: then he he kidnaps a girl who, who's like the final girl. And then she has to figure out a way to get out of there before he amputates all her limbs.
1: Yeah, man. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I, I've seen a horror movie or two in my time. Yeah. So that would yeah. be my Jeremy Filmer's Dr. Death. See,
1: there you go. Yeah. Start with screenplay, man. Yep. I think they go for a minimum like 75000 in, in Hollywood. So you s- just sell the first draft and get the seventy five grand and say, okay, do what you want with it. Yep. I really <laughs> don't care. Yeah. I yeah. open my
0: hand, the check falls in, that's the end there of my participation.
1: There you go, man. Yeah, um, yeah Bobby, right. so we
0: are talking about Dr. Death Steve
1: Williams yes. this week. Let's get on with it, man.
0: Yeah, he, uh, pro wrestler, collegiate football player, amateur wrestler at the University of Oklahoma, um, he was known as Dr. Death. It was a name he acquired in junior high school, which leads us to our number 10 on our top 10 Dr. Death things. Okay. Now, do you know why they called him Dr. Death?
1: I did not until you smart me up. You want to smart everyone else about okay. it?
0: So he got this nickname. Uh, Because in junior high, he had to wrestle wearing a goalie's mask due to shattering his nose, and his coaches and friends and sister began calling him Dr. Death.
1: Man. All right. So he got it well before... Becoming a pro wrestler, he was already named that in junior high. Junior Doctor Death. Can you imagine ah. being that much of a badass? You're called Doctor
0: Death when you're a pimply faced twelve year old. Yeah,
1: I went to junior high. Some badass cats, man. I ain't gonna lie. And um, we never, we never had it. We had some tough guys. Uh, they usually went from there to either. Um, you know, honestly, reform school and, and about 50% and the other 50% made it to the high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just the way it was back then. But I don't think we had a doctor death. You know what I'm saying? We had some tough MO, MOFs out there, man, but uh, he, uh, we didn't have a doctor death, by God. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, boarding schools <laughs> were full of tough guys. Yeah, yeah. So are jails and prisons and graveyards. That's right.
0: <laughs> um,
1: so, now, I'm going
0: to have you talk to us a little bit about number nine here, his college and pro ball career.
1: Yeah, so in college, um, on football, he was an, a big, big eight, big eight offensive guard, um, in 1982. Um, and I must, the other thing I was going to tell you, I don't know if you know us, Jeremy, but, uh. The I, one thing that I think Donald Trump ever got right, okay, um, don't, don't leave us, audience. <laughs> <laughs> he drafted Herschel Walker as the number one overall pick when he started with the startup of the USFL uh, way back in the day. And Herschel Walker is one of my favorite all-time athletes, him and Bo Jackson, but uh, but also that got on that team. So I'll give Trump that much. Uh, can't, the whole the whole uh, league stuck around for about a cup of coffee, as everyone knows. So there you you can see where I'm nose diving it right there. Well, Boom. Yeah, it, but it, I brought it up. Yeah,
0: it didn't. It didn't <laughs> just like fade out, though. Remember, it, right. it died because of him putting it in direct competition with the NFL. Yes. yes because yes. they wouldn't let him buy a franchise when he wanted to. Not that he could afford one yeah um, also you know what a, a broken clock is right twice a day and even a blind that's
1: right. even a that's blind right. pig finds a truffle every now and again <laughs> that's right yeah so I brought that up because of, 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 of because Dr. Death also was on that team. He got drafted um, for the generals mm-hmm. out of the University of Oklahoma. Uh, he got hurt. In the first, I won't say it's the first, but early in a practice game. So he'd actually get to debut his pro career until about six games in. And um, I think in up play, a total of maybe about 10 games, something like that. Um, and then you know, uh, different people went to different teams. And like you said, it kind of faded out a little bit and eventually closed or whatever, but uh, he did play pro ball. And we've mentioned a lot of guys, a lot of people don't know that, uh, we've mentioned several people. We, we actually started, oh, two years ago this month. As a matter of fact, we did a top 10, uh, uh, Pro wrestlers that had been pro football players and a lot of people don't realize, you know, there were several pro football players. They played in that USFL if they had been cut from an NFL team. So, you know, we've got that list out there on YouTube floating around. Uh, There's only like three videos of it, but the podcast is still out there. But yeah, Dr. Death did play some pro ball, um, you know, so that's that would be our number nine. But now going into number 8 and you talk about his early wrestling. Yes. That's where that's where he really excelled. Now he was tough in football at the University of Oklahoma. I mean, you you just don't put it this way. You just don't go out there and, let, and they don't just let any athlete uh, or Joe SMO rather go out there and play for the University of Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Sooners had one of and has been for years one of the greatest you know college uh, football teams out there. Oh yeah, know, almost, absolutely. Yeah. So so he's playing for a major university and uh, you know done quite well. In addition to being on a football team, he was. A wrestler, and that's going to take us to number eight. Uh, you want to lead us into some of the stuff he, uh, yeah, let me, for that? let me hit it from the top here. First off,
0: let me, I don't know if yes. you've ever been to Oklahoma City or uh, or Norman, Oklahoma. My grandmother's from Norman, um, so okay. I've, been, I've been in that area, and it's kind of wild because you have two college towns that are about 30 miles away from each other, um, so between you know, Oklahoma City and Norman. So, it's just kind of mm-hmm. wild just seeing that there's that, that. And because of that, that stretch of highway between Norman and uh, Oklahoma City, some of the most beautiful girls you've ever seen working at a restaurant consistently <laughs> door-to-door through there. Mm. Yeah. Get over Dude. here, dummy. I Sorry, Bobby. I got <clears> to <throat> yell a cow dog over here. That's as, okay. As she is uh, um, fighting. Well, it so sounds,
1: that great. sounds good, though. I can imagine you got a lot of college girls, young co-eds. Um, what do you say? you got the half an hour, 45-minute stretch there. Yep. Uh, two different competing universities. I can imagine you got some beautiful waitresses. Oh, absolutely. Does that sounds good. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was pretty okay. stunning.
0: But Dr. Death, his early wrestling career, which is going to be our number eight, he's a four-time, yes. four-time, okay, God damn it, knock that off,
1: Four-time All-American oh. from 1979 to 1982. I'll let you pacify a cow dog there. Thank you. Give me one um, second. Yeah. Yeah. He was secondly nas- nationally ranked second his senior year, uh, only losing to two-time Olympian Bruce Baumgartner. Okay? And so that's that's quite a bit, man, um, to, to be not just once, not twice, but a four-time, you know, that's coming into the freshman, a true freshman, and getting all-American honors. Um, you have to be just an elite athlete, you know. And um, he's a two-time now. Earlier in his career, too, he 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 ran track and field earlier too. So so you know, he he probably a, a three-time, four-time Letterman throughout high school. But in Oklahoma, you know, being a varsity football player and then the acceleration though in your career. Is on the mat, you know, and becoming four times uh, all American. He, he kept moving up to like from his sophomore year to his junior year, to finally reaching number two status, uh, only to beat by uh, no shame in losing to a gentleman that went on to, be, to become uh, a two-time Olympian. You oh know? no, not so, at all. Not so at that's all. that says a lot. No. Um, Doc opted, obviously, not to to um, to pursue a. Um, an uh, amateur career in wrestling beyond um, the University of Oklahoma because he started pursuing uh, professional wrestling. Go ahead, and I'll let you go ahead since sure uh, Cow Dog has chilled out.
0: Yeah, well, she seems to be now. Um, so he was trained to go pro style by Bill Watts and Buddy Landell. Hey, you know Buddy Landell.
1: Mm-hmm. And I can see Buddy being a big asset in that role. I really yeah. can Of course, Bill uh, Watts, because of the size and also being an Oklahoma guy and this and that, but Buddy as a worker. I can see Buddy polishing up uh, uh, his moves and and, and helping him tra- transition from, hey brother, we ain't got the heat. You ain't got it. You just touch me, I'm gonna go down. You're you're an all American, you know. And Bud Rose saying, I look here, I'm gonna put a headlock on you. Don't belly to back me. Let me grab the hold on you first, and just show you. You know, so uh, I can see. But and I mean that most respectfully, of Bud Rowe because he's professionally trained. You know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think obviously what we're dealing with here, you got two great trainers, uh, but I can see Buddy really. Helping him polish up as a uh, as a pro, for the pro style. So anyway, oh, yes, absolutely. I do know, buddy. Well, and
0: cowboy, <laughs> cowboy Bill Watts must have just shit his pants when he saw Steve Williams because oh you, yeah, you want to talk about a guy that was right up his like hey hey uh, cowboy Bill Watts, what does a pro wrestler look like <laughs> to you? And he'd be like that fucking
1: guy right there. Yeah, that guy just came off the gridiron and off the mat. Yeah, uh, built like that, has an attitude like that, has a nickname like that. Um, Had a full beard at twelve years old. Yeah, is this you know? This is what it looks like. This is your Rocky horror man. This is Rocky right here. Yep. Oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, they uh, broke the mold. Yeah. You know. So yeah, no shit. Uh,
0: so Doctor Death started wrestling pro in nineteen eighty two in uh, yep. Mid South. Uh 1985, he formed a tag team with Ted DiBiase and feuded with Eddie Gilbert in The Nightmare. And, you know, I love Eddie Gilbert. I think he is a great yes. heel. Um, Booker, hmm, you know, sometime, whatever. Um 86, the UWF is renamed to the, or I'm sorry, Mid-South is renamed to the UWF. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But when Jim Crockett took over the UWF, Doc was one of the few guys to be kept on and then given a push in the NWA. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, his career would go on to cover the mid Atlantic, uh world class in New Japan and all Japan as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, he he got over huge in Japan. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. I'm gonna throw a quick story in here. I'm not gonna get the exact year, uh, uh just something um that I recall uh reading. I'm gonna say I read this in '89. So I, I I know I read it in the uh, dirt sheet, uh, the Observer, that um, uh, Rick Robert Rick Steiner, which is Rick Steiner, and Doc, um, they come upon an accident. And I, I, I'm thinking this, I don't know if this was a reprint from one of those years, like 87 or 88, if they were working for Watts or if they were working in WCW time. But nonetheless, there was a car wreck and um, the people were trapped in the car. Uh, JR puts this over it has been put over several times. Uh, uh, Alan, uh, Cheap Shots, Alan on, on Twitter, he's got an old tweet about it. But basically, the car was on fire and, uh, there was a crowd of people around it and they couldn't help the people on the inside. I, I don't know if they was too scared. They couldn't get close enough. Uh, but people were inside this car and they, they was afraid it was going to explode. Well, who would expect two world-class athletes to pull down a highway and see us going on? Not only that, like superheroes who jumped out of the damn car and they ripped the car door off. Yeah. And helped the people. They rescued the people. So Doc and Rick ripped the car door off, uh, dragged the victims to um, away from the car far enough because it did explode, but there were no injuries. So uh that happened sometime during that time we're talking. Again, uh I don't know if it happened it when working for Mid South. I think it did, they could have already been in WCW. I'm just going off memory on that. But yeah, that's um I think they reacted the way most people, especially two guys like that, the attitude that they had of, uh, you know, uh, about living and life and just being, like you said, world class athletes. They saw they saw danger and instead of running away from it they ran to it and saved people's lives yeah and it's still talked about today so I, I just want to kind of throw out in that little early wrestling there so uh, no that's that's uh, just that's little a little story, story. y'all can story. research that too it's all over the internet um, I just I just you know, paraphrased a little bit there,
0: Professor. Well, and the thing so. is, like, you see a car on fire. It's it's kind of a dicey proposition. Um, but guys like Dr. Death and uh, Rick Steiner, you know, the dog-faced gremlin there, yeah. <laughs> literally... Literally two dudes strong enough to tear a car apart and get people out. It
1: might be the only
0: really safe way to do it. You know, you got the
1: human human jaws of life over here. That's well put. Human jaws of life. There you go, man. Well said. Yeah. Damn. Ripping that car door off and getting people out. Hell yeah. That's wild. That's wild, man. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go on to number
0: seven here. And yes, this one, I probably could have put higher, but I'm just trying to make sure I hit all the points I wanted to hit. Yeah. In
1: Doc's career. Um, By the way, this yes. week's notes, Professor really cleaned them up really good, has some good notes. Um, and I appreciate you putting them out there. I also, I know you love this. So I'm surprised you didn't put a little bit higher, but, but, it, but it's our list. It's your list. It's ours combined. Uh, I just love you. I, I love that you, Put this in here because people oh, tend yeah. to forget this. Well, and um, you've brought it up before. So, you know, Well,
0: and I, I, I have to I have to point out, I love the way Japanese uh, naming conventions go in pro wrestling. Yes. Like you're talking the Ichiban yes. Kid, you know, which is which is like the greatest or the number yep. one kid or, you know, I love yep. that. But my favorite one of all time is the Miracle Violence Connection
1: yes
0: man three words Ooh. that sound like nonsense together but then you realize it's a tag team made up of steve williams and terry gordy and you go oh that is miraculously violent
1: isn't it man i remember watching some of those earlier tapes in uh 90 91 maybe um when i was at malenko's there uh in between i said i was you know i went down there and took some time off, went back then there again, but they was always trading the tapes and Japanese boys coming over. And of course the magazines and stuff too, but man, you just see these two guys and right now you can watch it all on YouTube, but them two guys, they were just, that's, that's a connection and violence. They was taking people's fucking heads off, uh, suplexing them, power bombing them, tackling them. Uh, some of those clotheslines, uh, you know, you you can go and watch. Uh, you know, Stan Hansen clothesline, Stan the lariat, Hansen. Uh, who's going to be in town uh, next month? We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know, Doc Doc is taking people's heads off too, man. Oh, with that yeah. tackle and that clothesline and uh, the the belly to back suplexes. If he got behind you, it's over. He he he's gonna pop you all over at ring, man. Oh, um, well, I watched and, and a among couple. other things. I'm gonna let you, you know, talk about that later on. Some of the other stuff, beats the strength he done in the ring. So yeah, no, I but, watched but, yeah, a couple, Japan.
0: I watched a couple belly to back, uh, or you know, uh, suplexes the other day that he did. And yeah, I don't. I don't want to say that he was careless because typically he was strong enough just to do whatever the fuck he wanted to and right. pull it off safely. But I saw a couple of those suplexes where I'm like, that guy's lucky to be walking after that. Holy
1: shit. Well, during that time period, that's the thing. I was watching Gordy a lot then, and uh, um, same thing. It looked like he, some of these guys shouldn't be able to walk afterwards. Yeah. The way he would power bomb, he would flatten them out in the mat And, uh, you know, like I said, Doc, the same thing, tackling to the clothesline, to the belly to bellies and those type things. And um, speaking of which, I haven't seen it for a while, but it's out there. And I think we spoke about on this show before, but it's been a while bringing up. Again, there's a good match. We mentioned Rick Steiner earlier. There's a good match in WCW uh, between Williams and and Gordy versus the Steiner brothers. And it's a fucking study of suplex city bitches. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it should still be on YouTube. They just go in there and get at it, man. Uh, those four guys. And that's four, you know, uh, just four athletes, four wrestlers, four tough guys, uh, and Gordy, without the, uh, the the amateur credentials they have, he made up for in the pro experiences in being tough for those three, four years. Those guys are off at of college. He's out. He was out busting heads then, you know. So well, yeah. uh, he, he didn't miss anything. Uh, not getting down on the collegiate mat, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I was gonna so say, he hangs right with them.
0: Yeah. By the time they got out of uh, you know graduated uh, from college and had their wrestling background behind. Them. terry gordy had already been wrestling for nine years pro yeah you know i mean just eight i'm not talking about at that time i just mean by the age of 22 right right no you're right yeah so i mean that's it so Um, i but with the miracle violence connection yeah go over some
1: uh tag teams and stuff that they won some titles and stuff yeah i
0: just i want to cover kind of cover that all japan pro world tag team championship five times (laughs) <laughs> um, World's strongest tag determination league, Bobby. We got to dig into that sometime. I need to,
1: we do. We yeah. mentioned you mentioned that a lot over here. We need to check that out, man. Yeah, we got
0: to, we got to look at what exactly. I, I mean, I assume it's a tournament, but we need to figure out what exactly. Uh, PWI, yeah. PWI tag team in the year 1982, named them the number 16 of 100 best tag teams during the PWI years. Um, World Championship Wrestling, NWA World Tag Team Championship one time, WCW World Tag Team Championship one time, NWA World Tag Team Championship Tournament 1982, and then the Wrestling Observer named them Tag Team of the Year 1992. Nice. So those first couple of years in the 90s, these guys were just stomping mud holes in everybody's yeah. ass.
1: Miracle, violent connection. I like, I like that. I like that a lot. Like you oh, said, yeah. the way the Japanese just put... Put something on there. you know? Oh yeah, like yeah. it almost comes That's off like nonsense, and then you then you look at it for a second. And like, eh, yeah, 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 that is pretty miraculous. Like, <laughs> um, uh, right, number s- seven. You want to go to that? Uh, yeah, ridiculous, uh, that ridiculous
0: strength. Uh, so Doc was stupidly strong, like yes, like superhero levels of strong. And here's the problem. I I used to know who received this move, and I can't remember it now, but. <laughs> The uh, the Midnight Express, Stan and Bobby, yeah. flapjack a guy into the air, and then Doc just snatches him and has him pressed over his head.
1: Yeah, Corny talks about on his power uh, on his podcast. Um, if I'm not mistaken, man, it's just the way they uh, they were in a locker room and on their way to the ring, and it was like uh, you know you think you can you think you can catch him, and Doc was like. Yeah. And then he got out there and it's just like I think he pressed him a couple of times, like caught him and just pressed him. I don't know if it's Bobby or Stan, but uh uh either way, man, it's just, it was just very impressive, I guess, the way it went down. Oh yeah. There's so, I mean
0: you can find gifts of it. The problem was I just couldn't yeah. remember who
1: it was who received it, but yeah. Yeah, I in my mind I'm thinking it's Bobby because nope. he'd go up, you know, uh by Bobby, the
0: Stan. Bobby and Stan flapjacked this guy and and Doc grabbed him. So, Bobby, okay, who was it then? That's what I can't um, remember. That's
1: the problem. Yeah, who was it? They, um, shit. I'm drawing a blank, too. And, and um, the gifts
0: I found, I was looking out on my phone and they were like as messy as a thumbprints. So I couldn't see each
1: face. you know. Oh, who was it? Because Corny tells it on the story, and you're, and I, my, my bad, I wasn't sure who took the bump on that when I said Bobby or Stan. I, I, I could see him getting either one of them up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just wondering. <laughs> Who was that? Damn it! Um, <laughs> what are you going to search for? Flapjack into press or what? Is, I don't know. Uh, uh, the only way I could find it
0: reliably was flapjack press and GIF because you know yeah. that's. But I couldn't. I couldn't get anybody. I couldn't find anything that actually said. Oh yeah, here he is grabbing so and so mid air. You know. But uh, okay. Look, here's the thing, Bobby. Um, here's here's the thing. One of our fans will know, and they can let us know who yes. it was, and we will say next week who it was. That's just my,
1: yeah, my, that's my fine. lack
0: of foresight and being in a hurry this week to get get the notes put together that I didn't take the time to look into it for.
1: Well, you 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 did an excellent job of getting the notes together at that. We both had busy weeks that we talked about, you know. So, um, I I'm just I swear I. Um, I've seen it. I heard Corny talk about it, and I just can't remember who it was. So, um, anyway, fans hit us up on Twitter. Hit me up at Bobby Blaze Seven Forty Four. Hit the Professor up at the Geek. Cast hit our joint account up either on Twitter or Facebook under Bell to Bell Blaze um, and let us know who that is or send it to us even better. I want to see it again because I've seen it. Uh, or if you have the clip of Cornette talking about it, send that as well. That'd be grateful, or I'd be grateful for it. I'm sure the professor would be. And um, while we're talking about that, let me just mention this. Our website, Professor, Bell to com. We have that, too. Yes, so. yes, we do. Um, that one you just can find out there. You can
0: find all of our uh, YouTube videos and episodes and everything from and social media accounts and everything from there. So go check us out on there. And, uh, oh yeah, and you can find links to every episode on any format pretty much as well. Um, and Bobby, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and do number five as well because it's just kind of a yes. subset. But, um, yeah, but I've got a little story to add on to this one here once you do it. Yeah. So I put ridiculously strong. Part two, the perfect power slam. Um, (laughs) This this guy, yeah, he had control over that power slam just due to his strength that he could pick a guy up, put him anywhere he needed to be. And even though I've seen a lot of great power slams, I don't know that I've seen one better than his.
1: Yeah, Uh, as control-wise. Control-wise, yeah. So much control, yes. Uh, Like I was mentioning that... um, uh, the stampede, he had that control when he picked you up and put you, put it, put you across his chest and ran into a turnbuckle. You mm-hmm. know, you're talking about a grown ass man on your body taken from mid ring, at least if not three, fourths. boom, slamming him into a the turnbuckle, then turning that into a drop slam. Basically, he didn't always power slam him out of that, but he would do a drop slam, but he had complete control the whole time. And then on his power slam, he just, uh, he just he just snatched a person up and, and boom, put that like you said, that power slam was just uh in control. I've seen people do it, and sometimes that looks a little lackluster, or did they let him go too soon, or what have you? He held on to them and took them down and drove him not into the mat, but to the ring floor, uh, the floor below the ring, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. we talk about different people and ridiculous strength, uh, uh, power slams, and, and controlling people. How, how would you feel about if you were standing about 15 or 20 feet back and two people were peeking through the curtains – and those two, they're just trying to wash the matches. Okay, now I witnessed this and kind of prepped you for it. Just how would you feel about this? Um, this was right when I was either training or getting into business. Um, the two faces peeking through the, the curtain to wash the matches were not only Dr. Def Steve Williams, but the other one was the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. Would you, do you think you'd want to say anything to those two guys? Uh, nothing, but uh, sir, can I get you a beer? Uh, that's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I was at the Huntington Civic Center many years ago and the way they had their ring set up uh, at the time, the N.W.A. NWA show, uh, you know, you picture yourself from the ring. They had the railing down a size, of course, uh, around the ring and then railing for a walkway. But then at the end, it, it be back out to about, you know, uh, the middle of the curtains. But. But the way the curtains were set the way it was set up, once you got past the barricade, there was about 20 foot on each side of the curtains. There was no barricade. Uh, of course, no one went back or anything, but a couple, you'd see a couple of the boys. That's how I used to talk to Bobby Eaton all the time, probably even in business. He'd come out and talk to me. Um and if you're cool with them, you know, the, the, the no big deal. And, of course, Bobby's you know, one of nicer guys, and I wasn't going to fuck with them anyway. Yeah. Um, I was just appreciative they took time to speak with me, as I've made mention of before. Anyway, Um Doctor Destiny Williams and 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 Raging Boy Manfredo just kind of watched the match. I'm not sure if they had a run in or if they was just watching. You know, maybe the Road Warriors or uh, uh, whoever in their tag match. You know, just just checking out. Maybe it's a couple of their their heel buddies or whatever. But anyway, this group of people, about twenty twenty five people, was just down there yelling at them. Now, where I was seated at. um, I was like the first section, not on the floor, but the first section of the bleachers that you can see. You're straight even with the ring pretty much. It's one of the better seats, I always think, if you don't get ringside because it's above the ring, but you're still in that front row. And I was at the entrance part where I could still see the entrance really, really good. And uh, these people are down on the floor, and I guess they're just fucking with Doc and Manny. That's Uh, awesome. I don't know what they're yelling. They're just being assholes. You know, and it's about, again, there's no one tough guys down there. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that because it was a group of people from, you know, 12- and 15-year-old kids to, you know, some adult guys that probably thought they were tough, had had that one-too-many beer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I'm going to tell you what. They sit there and were just trying to – they was probably just trying to honestly watch the match or they may have had a run-in during that match. I don't know. To where they were standing at, I doubt they had to run in because I don't recall that because they had probably come in through where the rails were at, you know. But anyway, these people – Finally, man, they both jerked back the curtain at the same time. Now, this is not a well-lit area other than the the light because the match is going on. But a light from the side hallway is coming into that little bit of a section because the overhead lights are not on in the arena. And, man, I'm going to tell you what. When Manny Fernandez and Dr. Death stepped beyond that curtain and took about three steps... Those 20, 25 people, they were like cockroaches when a light comes on. They fucking scattered, and I I cracked up. I mean, it was one of the funniest damn things you could see because not a damn one of them was going to stay there. And, and take that ass whooping. And I don't blame them. No, Hell, I was in the bleachers, not harassing them. I got nervous. you know. No. But if they, had, and I don't think they honestly, I don't think they went for anyone. I think they took a couple of steps and that's all it really took. But had any of those people stayed around, uh, let's just say 12 or 15 of them said, well, hey, I've had that one extra beer at Liquid Courage. I'm tough. And so, I'm telling you, them two, I think they would have went through those people like a buzzsaw, man. They went through a... Uh, uh, like butter, a hot knife through hot butter. I mean, it they'd have chilled them. They'd have melted them. If I was going to say chilled <laughs> oh, them. They'd have chilled been. them, too. Yeah, it would have But been. it, it would have been funny. It would not have been funny. It would have been uh, some ass whooping. And I doubt anyone would have touched those two had they come through there because I think it had been just, you know, uh, screwed, blued, and tattooed and people laying lying there on a concrete floor going, what the fuck just hit me? Did they send a bulldozer out from the back or what? Oh, yeah. But um, they, well, just, <laughs> anyway, just, just, just kind of touching on that.
0: Just imagine a real punch from either one of those guys.
1: Yeah. And it like you was talking off the air, what, the first four or five, six people coming through there, um, they're getting a full blast. Yeah, you know, they're getting a full blast. And how strong Doc was, I I can't imagine him hitting you with a, a full on punch, or forearm, or a kick. You know, and then Manny's just fucking crazy fighting. Um, he he's gouging eyes, he's pulling hair, he's he's taking t- he he's pulling ears off. Um, he's doing anything he can do. Oh yeah, and yeah. um. Because uh, that's just the way he was, a street-fighting tough son of a gun, you know. Well, you start but, throwing
0: uh, bombs from a guy like that or a guy like Manny Fernandez. You, yeah. Put your fucking hands up. You're not wearing gloves. That, <laughs> that punch is getting through your guard. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You ain't blocking. And shit. Yeah. But you just talk about their strength. And of course, like you said, this comes up under perfect power slam. Uh not the doc need to run out right there and power slam anyone. Hell he could just run out through there like a football tackle and probably take them down like bowling pins or something that he wanted to. Oh absolutely. But, um, yeah. I think uh honestly, uh they were both professional enough that um and they didn't, you know, they knew they could kick their asses. They didn't feel threatened at any time the people doing it once they stepped out there and took those two or three steps through the curtain, they knew like, oh fuck, you these are let's smarten up. Let's go back to our seats, you know. Yeah. And they did, uh, they did. Um, so, just wanted to tell you that story because that that's just it was funny to watch. Uh, and I couldn't tell you who was in the ring. Like I said, it may have been another tag team. They was just watching them. You know, uh, it could have been Dusty and Windham against the Road Warrior or something, or or whoever it was. I'm just saying they was you know like. Uh, where i was at i kept looking to my right seeing what the fuck them two was going to do if they come out to him people's ass or not yeah but uh thankful they didn't have to no that's that's probably and, good uh, um yeah yeah that's yeah i, I oh, don't right. know what what gets
0: in yeah. people sometimes that yeah i i get you want to shit talk to heal but something tells me when you're in a crowd of 20 people doing it you're going to start doing some shit you wouldn't normally do
1: yeah, that herd mentality, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, oh, let's, let's get on a stupidity train over here. My buddies down there yelling at them, they ain't doing anything. They must not be that tough. Well, come on. Then you got three or four more guys coming down there, like, eh, that's not the right, that's not the right too. you know. And um, honestly, either one of them could have probably looked the other one. I could see Manny going, you want this, you want me to take it. And one of them just stepping through and knocking about three motherfuckers out, and the rest of them scooting, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so, yeah, easily. Uh, uh, but knowing Manny, uh, <laughs> he'd be wanting one, he'd want to fight them all anyway. He'd probably be saying, Hold on, Doc, I got this, <laughs> ch- hold my beer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, anyway, let's move on past that. Yep. Um, we're into big in Japan, yes. take it over,
0: big in Japan. So, uh, before New Japan, I um, Doc worked for Baba over at All Japan, and mm-hmm. I started with uh, started with the tag team with Terry and then kind of graduated on to other tag teams and some singles competition. Um, he became the AJPW Triple Crown Champion, which is uh, one of my favorite belts. That's another thing the Japanese do is they decide, hey, we need a more prestigious title go grab four or five other belts let's put them all together in one package championship and there you go and uh that's always kind of a cool thing i like um he became a mainstay guy gene on ajpw tv with stan hansen terry gordy johnny ace mm-hmm. i don't know gary albright i don't know if i'm just missing something there but i don't
1: know uh, he gary. was a all collegiate uh he was an all american collegiate wrestler okay um yeah um I knew very little about him. I'm trying to think of, I can't remember who he wrestled for all of a sudden. If I had seen that note ahead of time, I could have gave you a little bit more better research on that. But, you know, he had a legitimate background, big, strong guy, too, um, heavier set type guy. Um, I wish I could tell you more, but I, I'm, I'm, I do know that much. That's, that's, that's it. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'll tell you this. Uh, when I was mentioning seeing people getting their heads knocked off and stuff, if you get a chance, go watch Mishawa. If you watch um, during this time period, you got 94 down here. If you watch um, um, any anyone really, either Gordy or Williams, working with Mishawa on here, it's it's well worth it, man. Uh, that guy just it, – some, there's some incredible matches that are very, very physical. Yeah. Um, during that time, and 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 Williams has a couple of one there. They're on YouTube, but yeah, go watch the Um Kawada, I'm sure is one there too. But um, I, I'm just telling you right now, the Mishawa, uh, uh fights are on air, and it, they're awfully those damn good, ones. man. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones. Uh, yeah, Albright was there with them, but again, um, and Johnny Ace for a hot minute. But again, you got to go with uh, uh, Stan Hansen. Terry Gordy and Steve Wade were the main three guys during that time. I'm, you know, um, as you're going through that list. Um, yeah. So, well,
0: and they got a note here that, um, Japanese wrestling was as hot, uh, in this period of time as the attitude era, attitude era was in American wrestling. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, mean, I can believe that. Yeah. Well, uh, Hey, Bobby, they love the wrestling in Japan.
1: <laughs> Why
0: don't you sell a couple books?
1: I think I will, man. I do talk about Japan in both my books. Mm-hmm. Uh the first book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Booth for Travel and I talk about I went to a lot of people just think I went once. Uh, I went five tours to Japan, man. I got to travel extensively throughout the entire country. I did tours up south, up south, How about no, up down north course. and down south, uh, 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 around Tokyo, et cetera. But anyway, uh, on the books, yes, if you go to tinyurl.com slash book one That'll take you right to the Amazon link, and that's where you can get Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost for Travel. I actually spoke to a gentleman last night that was a referee, and um, I don't know what his age was, but he told me, he bought my book, and he told me he grew up and was living that while I was, you know, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling and I said well he'd already paid me for the book because he wanted a book but I said I think you'll really enjoy the section where I talk about my whole Smoky Mountain run he said man I follow you from the time you got in there and they put the junior hairweight title tight on you to where the TV title he said man and he said you he said to me I don't know if this means I'm really old or not I'm just saying he said to me man it's like I was watching a real life Rocky Balboa come up through the ranks at Smoky Mountain Wrestling he said I was at a, a Wwf fans, the way he worded it, um, and he said at WCW they were on, and I and I had watched them a lot. He said, but Smoky Mountain came regularly to Knoxville, and um, your story. and He was very compelling, telling me my own story back to me. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. So I was very, uh, it was flattering and a, a little bit embarrassing, but I'm flattering, uh, and I appreciate it. So yeah, tinyurl.com slash blaze book one talk about japan talk about smoky mountain i was just telling some students the other day about being in south africa man and nelson mandela walking right beside me in the airport johannesburg so i share a whole bunch of stories uh, just about being on a road in there man and uh, that's my first book so that's kind of my baby you know but um if you haven't gotten one Order yourself a copy. Uh, order one for your, the wrestling friend or the wrestling fan in your family. Um, they are adult. You know they're a. You know if you're 18 or older, that's great. If you're 14, 15, you know I don't know if it's for them. But if you're 18 years or older, get it for them. I don't. You know. And if you're an older wrestling fan, especially a pro wrestling fan, not any sports <coughs> stuff, uh, I think you'll really appreciate that book. My second book. I kicked that on too, the educational wrestler. Um, man, it, it's just a little bit about life outside of wrestling. I- I do recall a bunch of wrestling road stories and songs, and we got a top ten, you know, outlawed, not outlawed, but uh, wrestling moves that are the most dangerous, you know, type thing. Uh, that's the one that has a stripper story in it. There's a couple of them in there. Uh, starts off with a stripper story about, you know, down and out strippers in West Virginia or somewhere. Could have been any town, just saying. Um, so one night I was in a hotel room, and just one chick, man, just jumps up on a bed, Starts fucking belting a song out and like, holy shit, she needs, she don't need to be in a hotel room with me. She needs to be a fucking American Idol or performing somewhere, you know, other than here. But, uh, some funny story that, but it's called, um, I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. And you can get that at blaze blazebook1. Now, if you use the tiny tinyurls, we appreciate it very much. Uh, Jeremy gets a whole twelve cents or twenty, uh depending on whose story you believe, so somewhere in between there it's not very much, but see the joy is this: I sell a book, I'm happy. Jeremy's happy for me that I sold a book. Mm-hmm. The podcast gets a little bit of money in the affiliate count, but all you know it's just it's just a way to help us out in a way also for to get our where get my books out there through our word on this podcast and if you bought one. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you'd be so kind, go on Amazon and leave me a review. I'd appreciate that as well. Um, just like the professor and myself, whether you go to Apple Tunes or Apple Podcasts now, I guess, I was going to say iTunes, combine them, uh, Google Play or Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, wherever, but preferably Apple Podcasts, leave us a fair and honest review because we'd appreciate that too. And that's my book view right there, Jeremy.
0: Alright, so everybody, if you haven't done so, get out there and buy a book. If you have bought a book, buy a friend a book. If you bought a friend a book, go make a new friend and buy them a book. What I'm trying to say here is buy a book. Um, there you that, go. That all being said. Hey,
1: Bobby. <laughs> yes.
0: What else can we say about Dr. Death?
1: Uh, I think he's one of the most legit tough guys ever to walk the face of the earth. Um And um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Let's just make a uh, bra for all because mm-hmm. we know Dr. Dusty, we was going to come here and whip everyone's ass and and he's going to win the thing. Yeah. Um, cause, cause okay, shit, let's cause do that.
0: Shit never goes. Not according to plan ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, lucky shots. I like the happen. idea of this originally. Um, I honest to goodness, I recall this. I was in another home at the time, and I was with WCW at the time, and I was watching it. And I, as soon as it started, I thought, this is – I didn't know what kind of a work it was or if it was a shoot, but I said to myself um, – and I probably talked to a few guys on the road. I don't – you know, again, just time frame. But I, I remember the person I was with saying, that guy right there – Who she didn't know who he was, but I did, of course. I said, That guy right there is going to win this already. Whether it's a work or not, that person is going to win this thing. Mm -hmm. Dr. Desti was the man. He's gonna go through there and it's beat the piss out of everyone, and it's gonna be no contest. That's the way I felt not uh, when that question, thing first right? started. Yeah, not, not even, even a, question. a question to me. Without knowing what was going on at the time, not with hindsight being twenty twenty. I'm adding it right now. I'm talking about the time that this was taking place. I was like, uh, this. This is what's going to happen. You know, he's gonna he's gonna go through these people. Like I said, through uh, a hot knife through melted butter, you know, as you can go through them. And, um, well obviously that's not what happened Smarting us up about this brawl for all jeremy well um this is one
0: of vince russo's fucking brilliant ideas right not
1: a fan sorry yeah
0: yeah so I, I called this one this is this is one something we riff on all the time here but i called this one emergency rooms and brawl for all's are full of tough guys um
1: yeah, yeah i like that yeah <laughs> uh
0: so apparently jbl was saying that he could beat anybody in the company at the wwf at the time and in a bar brawl and Vince Russo being a keyboard tough guy thought, well, I'll, I'll fucking show him, bro. I'll fucking, I'll put together a shoot fight and then we'll, uh, we'll be on fucking somebody will beat his ass. And, Mm. um, apparently the idea was they were going to push Steve Williams. Somehow they were going to guarantee a shoot fight win to a guy. I don't know what the thinking was there. I mean, yeah, obviously the guy's tough, but you know what? I've also seen a little guy, Knock out a big son of a bitch with a lucky shot to the button, too.
1: Oh, Um, yeah. You know,
0: fucking uh, Joey Styles knocked out fucking JBL with one punch. You know, you never know who's going to take a swing and fucking pull it off. Um, Yeah. Dr. Death goes in and son of a bitch if Bart Gunn didn't knock him out. Yeah. And uh, you know, unfortunately, Doc well, a lot of people got hurt here. This was kind of Yeah,
1: no, there's Dan Severn pulled out like a smart man would. Yeah. Uh, but there were people getting legitimate injuries in this, you know. Um it just it it may have looked good as a work on paper, but man, it just as we know now, it just really I think it's to sum it up, it it ended up kind of being a clusterfuck. Um and that hurt Doc's run before he even got started, as you put in our notes oh, here. Oh, yeah. Um, he was a little bit maybe older. Well, obviously he was older, where he had that hardcore Japanese style, f- sustaining a lot of injuries there. Not uh, you know, he it, it didn't break his leg or this or that, not, not huge injury, but I'm talking about nagging injuries at that point in your career, you know, um, and slowed down probably a step at that point in his career um and i know we're putting doc over just saying uh this might not have been the right time for his career for that wwe run to put him in there during this because they could have put him in in a so much better fashion uh let's just if they had this you know uh bra for all and everyone's not going to the hospital or uh dropping out or uh you know, just even the hospital getting injuries that would take weeks to to, to heal. Um, you know, they could have brought Doc in um, and gave him a push, and and he could have done his style there. But um, I think you and I have both know, and I think Jr. You know, again, staying on the train there, man, that's that's his guy. Um, it just was unfortunate the way it happened, and um, and who knows if um, you know he would have been able to do that kind of style in New York uh, and extend his career because of the way he was already used to going so balls to the wall anyway uh, through NWA or mid south NWA and through Japan. Um, I don't know what kind of fit because he would have probably had to slow down a whole lot, and I don't know if Doc could have done that. Yeah, you know,
0: you know and, and Bobby, let's. I'm going to just kind of ask you this and kind of riff on this for a second. Dr. Death does not seem like a good fit for the WWF
1: to me. No. Stylistically, looks why, anything, you know? I don't, that's what I was getting at. I don't know. They could have brought him in. Let's just, like I said, Ickney that. If they brought him in, I don't know how you do it because he's not a creation of events, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the look is different. The size is different. Um, you know, the athleticism and the intensity, all those things, it, to me, it's. Uh again, I just do not think he'd have been a good fit in WWE. And then from an insider's point, uh, the locker room politics, um, I didn't know Doc personally. I've only heard, you know, second, third hand stories and things like that. Um, just uh, nothing bad, just saying, but he was his own man. And I don't know, and with the clicks that were in WWE, I don't know that, um, you know, he fits in with anyone there really other than JR. You know, uh, maybe, maybe not a couple. I'm sure he'd get along with anyone. Hell, he got along with people throughout his whole career. I'm just saying, I just don't see it being a good fit either. Um, I, I I really don't. I could see him like, uh, you know couple weeks on the road be like terry funk i gotta leave you a hey, tell tell events i go go check on a sick horse you know <laughs> uh and just leave it in the middle of the night because um and that's just my opinion i could be wrong had he got that big run i just don't what do you do do you change his name no everyone knows who the fuck he is do you change his look i don't care if you put a mask on him that body you know who the fuck that is yeah um cut his hair different wear face paint uh anything i don't see how you'd not bring him in as dr death steve williams or if you just say okay he's steve williams he's an all-american without well, the doctor death um, or vice versa he's just dr death only no steve williams i just don't see i honestly um do not see it as a good fit uh defend me or argue with me what do you think no i'm, I'm you know, i know what you said at the beginning what do, what do you think for real Can you do anything with it you
0: know so you're talking about like putting him under a hood. Remember when they tried that with Billy Jack and he was that black blood or whatever the fuck black blood. Yeah. And and you looked at that and you went, Oh, that's Billy Jack with a mask. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, like you're saying there, Dr. Death, you can't hide him under a hood. You're going to know he's going to wrestle his style. It's going to look like him. Um, you know, I just, you know, honestly, I think his best move was Japan at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bill Watts. I
0: mean, Bill Watts could do something with the Steve Williams. No mm-hmm. Watts knew how to do something with the Steve Williams. I don't know that any other American promoter did at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't see I don't see him being on at um New York TV though. Uh very long if he did. No, you he know? wasn't flashy enough. Um, he wasn't super yeah. charismatic. He was just um, a
0: tough son of a bitch, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a schedule-wise, he, he could adapt to that where he'd been in Japan doing those type tours, you know. He could have adapted going 20, 21 days, uh, be off for a few days and hit road again, you know. Um, I don't think he had a big problem with that. Um, I think more so maybe in a locker room that, you know, hey um, – Don't get under my fucking skin. I've been on the road for three days or three weeks, you know. Yeah. Today's the wrong day, cocksucker. And, you know, not saying Doc talk like that. I'm just saying uh it would have taken much for him to come out behind that curtain and scare about twenty motherfuckers away, all of them being the boys in the back going, Hey man, uh saw Doc a catering um Stay away from him today, Don't
0: Don't don't push your luck Uh, today.
1: Yeah, don't push your luck today. That's just my opinion. So, uh, And I think we both share that same view, it seems like, obviously. And I bet some of our listeners do, too, as well. So, um, let's jump to number two. Yes, number two. UWF champion. So,
0: I know that the UWF is only there for a short period of time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But... The guys who became UWF champion were all super tough sons of bitches and Doc, Doc was one of them. And I, I have to put that there. Now I realize yeah. it's a little fanboyish of me. Um,
1: no, no. But- our, our- we're, we know we're an old school wrestling podcast, and we have a great audience. And we thank you all, wrestling fans, for tuning into us. Uh, but yeah, that that's where that goes. That goes, you know, that needs a plug up there at the very top. Um, you know, it kind of justifies uh, the, um, well, like you said up here earlier, you you would have put, put that higher the Miracle Violence connection. But no, this is uh, this is who. Where Doc got his roots at, man, out mm-hmm. there in Oklahoma and, and uh, working for Watts and the UWF and uh, all the great talent that came through there, you know, uh, the DBAs and the JYDs and the, you know, just the whole roster through that time period, man, the uh, Gordies and stuff. So, oh, yeah, that's, that ranks high. UWF champion, man, that says a lot. Yeah, I think uh, so. so. I mean, let me, I'm just going to list
0: these names real quick here. Terry, okay. Terry Gordy, one-man gang, Big Bubba, and Dr. Death. Those are all your UWF you champions.
1: Yeah. All big, strong, and tough. Yep. All big, strong, athletic tough. sons of bitches. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, you look at one-man gang and, and, and Big Bubba, as big as they were, they were fucking athletic. They could move. They, they gave bumps and took bumps. They just didn't stand there like, you know, a big, heavy guy. They, you know, obviously Gordy and Williams – Staying alone in their athletic abilities. Yeah. But, but you know, some people think, oh, well, Big Bubba. But, no, he could actually move, you know, as could team or One Man Gang. I was just, just going to say, you know? One Man Gang was a hell of a dancer, too. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Well, we're getting ready to close down shop, Jeremy. We got one more, mm-hmm. and that's our number one. Um, I'll let you uh, bring it up. Do our number one here after UF, uh, UWF champion. What is number one about Doctor Death D Williams? Well, only the good die young. Uh, Doc yeah. passed
0: away of cancer at the age of forty nine, which yeah, throat sounds, cancer. Yeah, which sounds real young to me these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, myself as well. Yeah, um, it's really um, sad that you know he had to go through that. Um, but like you said, only the good die young. Um, Man, he just, um, uh, one of great all time talents, you know, uh, six foot one, six foot two, somewhere in the range of 280, 290, depending. Um, big cock strong, uh, worked out the weights, uh, worked out in the wrestling, uh, you know, in the mats and the rings. So he had, uh, technical, um, uh, good psychology. Um, He pretty much had it all, man. Um, And the Japanese style really fit his style because um, he didn't have to talk a lot, obviously. And um, he let his talking uh, do the talking he did. He did it in a ring. And what it said was, hey, don't fuck with me. (laughs) I'm Dr. Steve Williams. And we are very fortunate. Uh, I kind of bring it down, just the tone here, Jeremy, when you say that's young. Yes, it is. But here's the thing. For about, I don't know, 40 year, 40, let's say 35 years of our life, we got to watch a Dr. Dusty Williams, his career beginning and flourishing, you know, and seeing the success he had. And that's why he's, you know, our – podcast this week that's why we're talking about him yep. and uh, we're keeping his name out there and uh again uh just a couple of things off the top of my mind uh for this episode wrestling fans uh again hit us up out there on twitter world um about that who was it on the flapjack who took that bump that's one question that comes to mind um if you go back and watch. Walk- Watched the Mishawa fight. Uh, a couple of those that comes to my mind. Uh, just you know, if you got anything on Doctor Death, you'd like to send our way. Uh, if we missed something, let us know. Like, hey, why not you? Why didn't you forget mention this? Did you forget it? Well, the thing is, this is our top ten, and we're trying to, you know, smarten you all up as we smarten ourselves up as someone that we got to enjoy uh, their wrestling career. And uh, we don't always get it right, but you know what? It's our top ten, and I agree with Jeremy. Man, um, only the good die young, and sadly, Doc is no longer with them. But through a podcast like this, we can relive some of his greatest moments and contributions uh, to the world of professional wrestling.
0: Yep, exactly, and that's kind of that's kind of why we do the show we do. You know, yeah, um, we're good here to stuff, talk, man. yeah, we're here to talk about forgotten or old school wrestling stuff, uh, meatloaf
1: and so yeah Yeah. that's it man i had some meatloaf friday i was not disappointed i'll say that oh that's awesome Um, i didn't make it i make a pretty good meatloaf but i just haven't done it for a while i bought some um yeah we're here to um to have a good time too and uh we hope you all have a good time hope you enjoy it i do know this we've got um just so you know uh We've got kind of a theme for this month, the month of October, that we plan on going with it. Um, we also have a possibility of an interview, I mentioned up earlier at the top of the show. And we've got a, another couple um, year in, the year in, not year ending, but the year in, a certain date. Uh, and then we've got our second class uh, for our Hall of Fame. I think we've got a wrestler, we've got a heel, and did we decide on a manager? Uh, I don't believe we have nope. yet. I don't okay. believe we have. Okay. Yet. Wasn't sure. I might have one in mind. Um and I might uh be speaking to one uh very soon. That's just uh Jeremy having told you that because I can't say it right now, but um might be having um on November sixth our podcast. Uh we're gonna re- our goal is in Ashland, Kentucky on November sixth, there's a um, bluegrass con. It's going to be in downtown Ashland at the Highland Museum. Um, I am going to be there. It's presented by the Time Warp and FTC Wrestling. Um, Lex Luger is going to be there. The Godfather is going to be there. Uh, Gail Kim is going to be there. Stan the Man Hanson is going to be there, um, as is Magnum TA. in oh, uh, a handful that's... of others, um, I, unless they have been sponsored by uh, FTC or time warp. I cannot, um, unless a contract has been signed, I've been asked not to mention their names, but I know of at least three other people. I can mention Rhino. He has legitimately been signed through the agent and also, you know, on a contract. But um, there's a manager, very possibility, Jeremy, to go back to our uh, Hall of Fame. We'll see. Um, and uh, there's several other people, some of the older uh, uh, wrestlers that are still out doing some of the conventions. But uh, again. It's November 6th. You'll also get to see some up-and-coming talent, some of the people from FTC, ASW, and, and, and other areas that, you know, do come in the younger talent will be there on hand as well. They'll be assisting um, some of the veterans, including myself. Um, but, again, shout-out to Earl, down at Time Warp, shout-out to Joe at FTC. Um, should be a really good deal. I love it for two reasons. One, because it's a professional wrestling event and they're really trying to build this thing up. And the way they're doing it, it's going to hopefully be something annual, but it's going to go between Lexicon and Lexington, Kentucky, which is about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away. And also Wrestlecade, which takes place. Um, it's about four, four and a half hours away. And we're right in that area, but we're building some things up here. And also... Oh, it's because it's in my hometown, and I know a lot of wrestling fans here. But I want to see the good people of Ashland get out and support something like this. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. show some local support for people that are local businesses that are trying to do something positive with their business and um, and bringing uh, tourism and money into the community. You know, and uh, Jeremy, we'll get you out here one year too, buddy. I know, and um, We're still and, and and. And well, I know we're going to try to get to uh, Cauliflower Alley one day. We're going to try to do that trip together one day. Um, we've got big plans, but I'm just saying we got other stuff going on. But what I was getting to real quickly, the November 6th show, uh, we're going to be recording some interviews with some of the people I mentioned. Now, I can't guarantee who's going to come in and who's not, but my deal is I'm going to be there. I've got a couple couple tables in addition to you know merchandise, t-shirt books, eight by ten selfies, got all kinds of gimmicks there for merch. Uh, we're gonna be recording the podcast and we're gonna take five to ten minutes. Whoever will come on to the program, I'll lead them up over, I'll give them to the good professor. I'll give him a heads up who's coming on next, and he can have some research uh, and have some questions, and hopefully get some interviews of what these guys and girls are up to nowadays, and uh, some of your favorite wrestlers when you was growing up, or even excuse me, as an adult that you like to learn a little bit more about or hear about, see how they're doing. But um, just throwing that out there, Jeremy. No, that's going to a manager awesome. could be coming, um, as could a couple other people, and we'll just see what happens.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I always make fun of people outside of California who don't understand the geography or layout of California. And then, Bobby, a couple weeks ago, I demonstrated my lack of intelligence about Kentucky. Uh, I saw okay. that there was an NWA uh, paper yeah. that was going to be filmed out there, and I thought, oh, well, that can't be far from Bobby. So I asked you where it was, and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's
1: about six hours from here. Yeah. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> Ashland, Kentucky. To Paducah, Kentucky, if you go across across the straight state east to west or west to east as it may be, uh, yes, yeah, about an eight-hour trip that way man. Um, it's sucks. pretty wide. Uh, you know, I go down to Paducah and be the Duke of Paducah, as Lionel once told me on a Tampa radio station, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, and then... Really, you've got, um, several major cities, Lexington, uh, Louisville, uh, Frankfurt, our capital is like right in between those two. Those are all Lexington's an hour and a half, uh, Louisville's three hours, um, you know, where I'm at in eastern Kentucky, uh, I can get to several of these towns I mentioned that we've had wrestling at, often about an hour and a half drive, sometimes two, depending on on the curvy, uh, which way the dog, dog's rear leg, you know, bending at day. Yep. But um, no, you got there to central Kentucky. Um, that show there wasn't even really central. That show was, uh, because you go to central down around Bowling Green, that area down there, it's just a half an hour from Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm five hours from Nashville. Um, but if you're in that area, Clarksburg, Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee, and um, if you go right there in that part of the border, not too far from uh, from Nashville that way, you know, like half hour lickety split. But that show looked like it was going to be further out past Bowling Green and not quite to Paducah. And I can't recall the town where I would I think it was. Maybe it's Christian County or Hopkinsville. I honestly do not know that. But when you said that to me, I was like, uh, "Yeah, that's like five and a half on a good day, probably six hours away." You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I was I was over here thinking, "Oh, fuck, you gonna be awesome. I'm fly out there for that. Get us tickets. We'll go watch the NWA tapings." And then you're like, "Yeah,
1: five six hours." Like, fuck that. (laughs) Now, Alice Cooper's coming this month. To the expo center in Pikeville, where we used to wrestle there at the college, uh, in, and that's about an hour, hour and a half away. Um, and H. Fraley's opening up for him, just so you know. Oh, wow! Uh, but yeah, that's what they're—they're they're really. This, this sometime this month i don't have tickets i know a couple people do i had a chance a couple years ago don't kick me in the ass he was in charleston west virginia which is about an hour from here but um the two people i asked uh, my brother and one of my best friends we all three were just like i'm not really that interested for that price to be honest with well, you um happened. you know yeah at that time too it just uh we just you know but anyway just let's you not know, like there's there's shit that happens that goes on around here that can be an hour and a half away. Um, you know, and there's a couple guys came in last night to that show. Columbus, Ohio is just two hours away. Uh, you know, closest big big city for what would be a diamond or a five-star city so be Cincinnati, Ohio, is about two and a half hours away. So uh yeah, this geographically we're right there, man. We, you know, take a little trip and um uh, hell Cleveland, just four and a half hours away. Yeah. Um, that's not that bad. Pittsburgh's five hours away. DC's four and a half to five, depending on which side you hit traffic on. Um, some people make it six, but that's on you people, not me. I'm just telling you what I know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's kind of just a tour of shit that can go on out here in this area, man. Um, In addition to, um, it's raining all day today, raining all day tomorrow, and fall is coming, and I've really started loving fall. Um, I used to be a spring person. I'm really beginning for the last several years enjoying fall in Kentucky. It's so beautiful here, Jeremy, Um, and throughout the southeast. And um, uh, one day you get to come out here and spend a couple of days or a week or so, man. We'll look forward to having you in.
0: Oh, yeah, that's certainly the plan. I'd love to get out there, you know, obviously check out some wrestling of some kind while I'm there. Yes. Uh, Check out the Time Warp. Of course, you know, me, I I have to go bar to restaurant, bar to restaurant, bar to restaurant for a bit, too, just because I'm a glutton. But
1: that is the (laughs) plan. We just got to figure out how to make it happen. All right, man. All right. Well, any words of wisdom this week before we sign off here? Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this topic this week. Yeah,
0: this was fun. I, I, I had a good time with this one. Um, no, I think I think I'm done. Unless you want to say something like uh, uh, Chuck Nor. When Chuck Norris goes to sleep at night, he looks under his bed for Arn Anderson.
1: And with that, this is Double B, Bobby Blaze saying, "See you, along, wrestling fans." <laughs> <laughs> look under my bed now, damn it. Uh.